On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I was blown away how LAPD and the LA Times and the city attorney's office did this cover up or try to shut things down. But then actually what I went through and saw firsthand, nothing, it doesn't surprise me because yeah. there are such political ramifications for everybody involved. I think I, I kind of mentioned to you before, if you're an assistant director in the, in the FBI LA office, you are going to parlay that job into big time bucks. And I was very good friends with our assistant director who, uh, who asked me point blank why we're not indicting this case. I mean, I've been to bars with this guy and I mean, I was good friends with him and he ended up parlaying his job into one of the top, uh, oil CEO jobs down in Houston. So, I mean, again, everything, all the major players that are involved here. I mean, look what, uh, look what Bratton parlayed, you know, his time at LAPD, you know, when the wars were hitting then and, he was able to start up his own, I don't know what kind of company it was. It had something to do with, like, defensive tactics or providing uh, some type of support with the war. And then, of course, when Burko leaves and he goes down to Savannah, Georgia, who does, who does uh, Bratton uh, hire away? Hires away Burko. And I think the reason that Burko ended up leaving LAPD when he was having that issue was Bratton probably told him, like, dude, you need to get the hell out of because that's when he had the affair with the chick, and then she said how he had, like, Bratton had her uh, delete or smash up a computer that had a bunch of information actually regarding the Biggie case, and she sued him. She sued LAPD, and it just got to be too much, I think, where they finally just said to Burko, Bratton probably did, it's like, hey, dude, you need to get the hell out of here. Make me look good, and I'll take care of you somewhere down the road, which he did. When I go through the FBI files, what I want to communicate to you is the documents are broken out into a few categories. The first two episodes really looked at the idea of evidence, but more importantly, witnesses and informants that hold information. The documents that are more interesting and really speak to a cover-up or lack of effort on the part of the LAPD are contained in internal FBI memos that were circulated among the higher-ups at the L.A. Field Division. Call it political. Call it backroom deal-making. Call it having an inside track to understanding years after the murder of Big, the high-profile names that had to do a sinister job of managing what would become a huge mistake by one of America's biggest police departments. Names like famed Chief of Police Bill Bratton, his hatchet man, Mike Burkow. And in these particular documents, you start to see the influence of the criminal division of the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office. It wasn't bad enough that the Wallace family was suing the city for $400 million for wrongful death. 
Here comes FBI agent Phil Carson wanting access to the murder books, wanting access to detectives at robbery homicide, wanting information and more importantly, just wanting the truth. In these next dispatches of docs, I also want to clarify something very important. Phil Carson was talking to and he also was demanding information from the lawyers hired by Valletta Wallace. And that meant Perry Sanders and Bradley Gage. But more importantly, and again, this is just speculation. Phil Carson wanted the work product of Sergio Robledo, who he knew was an esteemed investigator with a lot of tools at his disposal. A lot of weapons to dig up evidence and dirt. In some rumors and innuendo, it has been speculated that the Wallace family lawyers and Phil Carson were in cahoots. But the real truth that is revealed here is that the city of Los Angeles was terrified of Phil Carson taking a witness stand. And they were terrified at the amount of information that was starting to leak out, be passed around. Savvy operators of the LAPD were realizing they couldn't contain this anymore. It was coming to a breaking point. So there's just always these, all, there's always these political ramifications. And again, you know what? I'm just, uh, I'm just a street agent. You know, I'm expendable. And that's probably the way they looked at it. And Biggie Smalls, you know what? He's a, he's a, he's a crack, he's a former crack dealer, you know? And is he expendable yeah. versus having LAPD? get hammered and ruin all these task forces and basically and i'm not exaggerating this it would it would have shut down lapd because they were already into that consent decree so they were already being overlooked by uh, the feds by doj this would have been a blow that they just could not afford and they basically said that and that's why they didn't want me to testify so it's not it's not overstating things at all and again when you take all these things that we've been talking about and all the different circumstantial evidence, you add it all up together, yeah, it, it, it screams out problems for LAPD. And the yeah. best thing that they could do is just kind of make it all just kind of go away. But here's the thing, LAPD already made the case go away. They had shut their case down. So this next document is dated September 15th of 2004. It was approved by Mary Jo Marino. It was drafted by Phil Carson. And the synopsis at the top is meeting with Luis Lee, chief of the criminal division of the Los Angeles City's attorney's office. Details. In the evening of September 13th of 2004, Phil Carson received a telephone message from Mr. Lee requesting a meeting the following day where he would come to the FBI Los Angeles office and meet with Carson regarding the Biggie Smalls case. Carson returned Lee's call the following morning and a meeting time of 3 p.m. was set. Present at this meeting was Luis Lee, Carson, Jerry Jager from the FBI, and ASAC Lou Caprino, the Associate Division Counsel, Steve Kramer, and Chris Calarco, and Chief Division Counsel, Luis Flores. The following is a summary of the information discussed at this meeting and concerns of Mr. Lee if in fact Carson was called as a witness by the civil attorneys. 
which was the reason Lee wanted this meeting. Lee stated in the meeting, because of his background knowledge while in AUSA, in particular, his expertise regarding David Mack, Lee wanted to know, since Carson has been placed on the witness list by the civil attorneys who represent the Wallace estate in suing the city of Los Angeles, if in fact Carson was going to testify and what information he might testify to. Carson advised Lee, as he had done previously to all aforementioned parties at this meeting prior to Lee arriving, that he, Carson, had no idea he had been placed on a witness list, nor had this ever been discussed by him by any parties involved in this case. While that case was moving forward, I had found out that I was put on the witness list um, by the, uh, the civil attorneys for uh, Valletta Walls, Perry Sanders and Rob Frank and those guys. Because whatever the case had been moving along, I would met with them several times with a couple of LAPD detectives who worked other cases with me. And he, he called me up and uh, says, hey, um, we need to meet ASAP. Are you available? I said, well, yeah, when do you want to meet? What's this about? He goes, well, we just found out here at the, uh, the DA's office because he had, he had left the U.S. Attorney's office and was now working over at the DA's office. And he said, well, we just found out that you're going to be put, that you've been put on the witness list for um, the civil attorneys, and, and, and we, we have to talk to you about that. And I said, okay, well, let me talk to my bosses and let me get back to you. After Carson advised Lee that from the very first time Carson met the civil attorneys down in New Orleans, LAPD detectives Roger Mora and Steve Sambar were assigned to work this case and were both present at this initial meeting. Just keep that in mind. A meeting in New Orleans, Phil Carson, Steve Sambar, Roger Mora from the LAPD. Furthermore, Carson advised Lee that LAPD Chief Bratton and Deputy Chiefs Burkow and McDonald were aware that these LAPD detectives were not only working this case with the FBI, but they were in New Orleans meeting the civil attorneys for the first time when Carson met them for the first time. A subsequent meeting took place in New Orleans again with the civil attorneys Carson, LAP Detective Mora, and movie producer Nick Broomfield. Another interesting fact, Broomfield was working on his stuff at this time. After this meeting occurred, interviews took place and documents were reviewed with the FBI and LAPD working together. Now again, this is very important. At this point, 2004, LAPD detectives are working with Carson. LAPD detectives Mora and Sambar were then removed from the case by Chief Burkow, who stated, until the FBI can show that the LAPD has a vested interest in the case, no LAPD resources would be provided. That's a, a funny statement to make there, right? Because... This is a crime that happened in Los Angeles. Why would you not want the FBI to help you solve this crime? It's kind of like the same thing that happened with Russ Poole, to be honest with you, is 
Russ Poole is going down the right path. I mean, I know it's, you know, people say like, oh, you know, it's that same theory that everyone's talking about. Well, the reason that they're talking about it is because it's true, you know, and the reason he got yanked off that case, plain and simple, is he was going down the right path. And the same thing kind of happened with me is after I, because, I mean, they, they're the ones that okayed for me to get a copy of Russ Poole's um, entire case file. And then they're the ones that supported me about going down to LAPD and, and taking a look at their case file. They're the ones that, that um, signed off on all my travel when I went back to New York a couple times to, to talk to these guys when I went to, um, you know, New Orleans and Colorado a few times to take a look at what Perry and all those guys have. They were all on board. The problem was is as I was getting – I wasn't necessarily – interested in solving the murder even though that was going to come from the whole case my whole thing was is look at these other real high profile cases and they all involved the LAPD and well decorated officers and yeah there's a systematic problem right here after this incident occurred Carson contacted the robbery homicide division detective Steve Katz and Adrian Solar who were case agents for the LAPD on the Biggie Smalls murder. Carson advised them if he can meet with them, as he might have some information that could help their case, in particular an avenue to some key witnesses who have been reluctant to speak with the LAPD in the past. So Carson is now offering to help the LAPD. This meeting took place with Carson and Steve Gomez meeting at Parker Center Robbery Homicide Division with detectives Steve Katz and Solar and several of their bosses, including but not limited to Robbery Homicide Division Captain Al Michalina, Deputy Chief McMurray, Detective Brian Tyndall, and Detective Roger Mora, who was there to help introduce Carson to the LAPD officers and investigators. Anytime there's like a case going on, I mean, there's always a joke. It's like, hey, the FBI's here. You know what? We'll take over from here. Not to say that that's the reality, but has that happened in the past? Yes, I'm sure it has. Never happened with me because two of my best friends worked the Palmeros case with me, and we've stayed good friends ever since. So that wasn't going to be the case with us. But the problem is, is because this case was dead in the water for two years, and then I started looking at it, the very first meeting that we had, I took my, my supervisor at the time, which is a guy named Steve Gomez, who is a former LAPD officer. He was there for, he was an LAPD cop, I want to say, for quite a few years, maybe like, like eight years or something like that. And that's when I told him, I said, hey, I've got access to probably a lot of people to interview that they're not going to have access to. And I'm kind of handing out an olive branch if, if, to meet with these guys, to meet with their case agent. And, uh, and Gomez says, oh, yeah, you know what? I know those some of those robbery homicide guys. He goes, I'll set up the meeting. The two of us will go down there. So the two of us go down there. And what I thought was going to be a meeting between me and Steve Katz, who I knew was their their um, their case agent, and like maybe his boss, 
I walk into this room, Don, and there's like 10 of these robbery homicide guys. This meeting, again, Carson advised LAPD personnel. He has access to several key witnesses through the help of the civil attorneys. And since detectives Mora and Sambar have been taken off the case, if detectives Katz and Solar wanted to fly to Colorado Springs with Carson and meet the civil attorneys and review their file, this was no problem. As the civil attorneys stated, this would be fine. So again, in the interest of solving this murder, he's offering up resources and help. I'm always traveling, always on the road, and the first thing I do whenever I get settled into a new city is I DoorDash items I know I can't live without. And it almost feels like home. Water, alcohol, a charger from my phone, snacks, food from delicious local restaurants, and breakfast in the morning because you can't cook when you're living in a hotel. DoorDash, your door to more. So download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything from pet food to snacks to neck braces, alcohol, toothpaste, Joy-Con controllers for you gamers out there, pretty much anything. You can get it. You must be 21 plus to order alcohol and drink responsibly. Alcohol is only available in select markets. DoorDash, go download it. Come on, get it done. Immerse yourself in the fascinating tale of Song of Solomon by the legendary Pulitzer Prize winning author, Toni Morrison, a mesmerizing coming of age masterpiece that has captivated readers around the world. Follow the protagonist, Milkman Dead, who was born shortly after a neighborhood eccentric hurled himself off a roof in a vain attempt at flight. For the rest of his life, Milkman too will be trying to fly. As Morrison follows Milkman on a quest to uncover his roots and himself in his Rust Belt hometown to the place of his family's origins, she introduces an entire cast of strivers and seeresses, liars, and assassins, the inhabitants of a fully realized black world. As the New Yorker put it, Morrison moves easily in and out of the lives and thoughts of her characters, luxuriating in the diversity of circumstances and personality. Whether you're a seasoned reader or new to Toni Morrison, Song of Solomon is a must-read that will ignite your imagination and leave you wanting to read more Morrison. Song of Solomon, a timeless tale. That will stay with you long after you've turned its final page. Available now at TonyMorrison.com and wherever books are sold. All right, so life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work. Up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to 100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So maybe you need to get your kids something special or you and the wife Need a scintillating night out. 
every once in a while at least. So download Earn In Today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in the dossier under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com forward slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Several weeks went by when Steve Katz contacted Ryder and stated they would not be going to Colorado Springs to meet the civil attorneys. Sometime after this, the writer spoke with the LAPD and advised them that Amir Muhammad had been located in San Diego and the FBI was putting together a surveillance team and asked if the LAPD would like to be a part of this. The LAPD contacted Carson later and stated they had no desire to be a part of this as LAPD was not looking at Amir Muhammad as a subject in the Biggie Smalls murder. But they asked for the address the FBI located him at, which was given to the LAPD. So at first I was in good graces with him. And then it started going sour. What it finally put it over the edge was when I offered LAPD, they could not find Amir Muhammad for whatever reason. I found him. When I sent Psycho Mike then to, uh, to go meet with him, I reached out to LAPD and asked them if they wanted to be part of it. And they said they wanted no part of it at all. Carson contacted the LAPD a second time and again stated a source had been developed in an attempt to have this source meet Amir Muhammad and that was being put together. LAPD informed Carson they did not have a desire to be a part of this, but to keep them posted, which Carson did. As the surveillance of Amir Muhammad and the subsequent UC meet with the FBI source took longer than anticipated, Carson became aware that a date had been set where discovery was to take place between the LAPD and the civil attorneys. Because this date was going to occur prior to this UC meet in San Diego between Amir and the source, Carson learned from the LAPD that they were going to attempt to interview Amir in San Diego, as well as the civil attorneys advised Carson they had a private investigator attempting to locate Amir in San Diego as well, which would basically eliminate the possibility of this UC meet to occur, as Amir surely would suspect something was going on. Carson contacted the civil attorneys and requested they postpone this discovery date a couple months, which they did, to allow this UC, this undercover meet, in San Diego to develop. Carson contacted Chief McMurray and requested they not interview Amir Muhammad in San Diego as he, Carson, became aware the discovery date had been postponed. Chief McMurray agreed not to instruct Katz and Solar 
to interview Amir in San Diego and let the FBI attempt to make this you see me occur. Chief McMurray only asked that Carson keep him updated, which he did. Prior to the you see me actually taking place, Carson received a telephone call from the LAPD requesting they now be part of this San Diego undercover meeting. Carson advised the LAPD because this FBI source is not handled by him. It was not his decision. And the source stated he will not do this meet with Amir Muhammad if the LAPD is a part of it because he believes the LAPD helped orchestrate the Biggie Smalls murder. When finally it was going to happen, and I told these guys about it, that's when Burko said we want to be part of it, and I told him we, he, he couldn't be, um, because Psycho Mike felt that LA, he said LAPD is part of this whole thing. Well, that pissed Burko off that we actually would allow a source to tell us, hey, I'm not going to do this if LAPD is part of it. Well, that's just the way it goes. And plus, I did offer to them originally. We then had a meeting um, at my ASAC, who's the, the person above my supervisor. And there was probably, God, I don't know, 10 to 15 people in there, including Burko. And we started talking about the, a couple of the first, uh, the first wire up. And he got, he got pissed off and tried to make a, made a big scene with me right there saying that I never reached out to LAPD um, to be part of that operation. And I stopped him cold. And I said, you know what, Chief, you're wrong. And I'm going to name drop people that I don't want to do. And I told him specifically who I talked to about if LAPD wanted to be part of this operation. He got in my face and made a big scene. And it was one of the two LAPD guys, either Mora or Sambar, that then stepped in and said, hold on, Chief, Phil's actually telling you the truth. He did reach out to so-and-so, and they declined to be part of it. Burko got so pissed off that he stormed out of this meeting, and it was that, like, dead, cold, silence, eerie feeling. After this was explained to the LAPD, the meet took place between Amir and the source, and LAPD was informed of what occurred and other developments regarding Amir. Approximately two to three weeks later, an article came out in the LA Times written by Chuck Phillips detailing this undercover meet with a source wearing a wire and other investigative techniques regarding the FBI's case. Carson advised Lee that he did not leak this information to the LA Times and was provided a copy of a declaration prepared by the FBI's legal division and signed by Carson stating this. So imagine this in your head. The FBI is putting together an undercover operation to have an informant go and speak to Amir Muhammad. In the midst of the planning of this, this information is leaked. And we know this from season one, is leaked by Mike Burkow to Chuck Phillips, and Chuck Phillips prints an article in the LA Times about this undercover operation. Imagine that. The last one that he was wired up that I had to tell, because I wasn't telling him about um, when these were going to happen, because now, I'm, I mean, I was concerned that they were going to fuck everything up. After the third one, 
when Psycho Mike or when um, uh, Amir, Harry Billups, went and talked to the Chula Vista police and all that sort of stuff, I had to brief. This is when my bosses told me. I, I said, look, this is the third time we've wired him up. I think we're done because now he, he thinks something's going on, and he actually went to the police and uh, was going to file a report or what have you. So that's when I told my bosses, we're done. So that's when I went ahead and I briefed Chief Burko on it. The next fucking day, Don, an article comes out, and that's when Chief Burko dimed out Michael Robinson by name in an L.A. Times article written by Chuck Phillips. And the reason that I found out about that, too, was is that's when I, I got a phone call. It was a Saturday morning, I remember. And I was getting ready to head to the gym, and Perry called me, and he was just livid, like, Phil, what the hell happened? Um, and I told him, I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he goes, go get, go get the, the L.A. Times and read about this article. Carson advised Lee that Paul Paquette, who was the lead attorney for the city of Los Angeles in the civil case before being removed, recently has made numerous derogatory comments regarding Carson, his investigative techniques, the FBI in general when pertaining to leaks, and in particular admitted trying to set up Carson regarding David Mack. So here is where the infighting starts, the LAPD versus the FBI. That's why specifically um, the two LAPD guys no longer worked the case with me, and I was careful on what information I was briefing either Burko or this other guy named Al Michelina, who was, I don't know, he was like a lieutenant or something, but I could tell he was, in fact, I've got a couple of my ECs with him. He, he treated me like a total prick. He thought I was... He, in this one particular EC, he talks about how, why am I wasting his time? Why am I briefing him on this case? And I specifically tell him, it's because you requested me to come over here and meet with me. I mean, he's just an asshole. But I could tell, because I'd never met this guy before, I could tell that he was probably getting directions from Burko, who was his boss. And um, so it was a progression, but I knew after the first... Jesse Moya wire that uh, that Burke and I's relationship had gone south, and then um, you know everything else had happened from there. Him diming out a source in the newspaper is is 100% reason to to never want to be part of an LAPD task force. Carson further advised Lee, neither he nor Jerry Jager, who is co-case agent have ever passed any information onto the civil attorneys, have never done any leads for them, or received a to-do list from them. Carson further advised Lee that the LAPD met these civil attorneys the exact same time the FBI did, and in no way is the FBI working with or in bed with these attorneys that the only reason the FBI has spoken to them is to help set up potential interviews with witnesses that were either friends or co-workers of Biggie Smalls, who otherwise would not speak with law enforcement or would be difficult to locate in New York or wherever they resided. Lee advised Carson that Mr. Paquette has in fact been taken off the case that he has other issues and that nobody at the city attorney's office 
has a negative perception of Carson or the FBI case. Lee did state what concerns him is it is one thing if Russ Poole is called as a witness by the civil attorneys and states former LAPD officer David Mack was involved. But, and here's the key point, listen to this, but if an FBI agent is called and testifies to this, there is a legitimate 50-50 chance the civil attorneys could win judgment in their $400 million lawsuit. So again, it takes this whole meeting to another level. These cops were involved in this murder, and then the fact that the whole cover-up made it even more magnified. So my bosses knew what was going on. The problem was is once we had that... Uh, a meeting with the uh, city attorney's office saying they had squat FBI had to squash my that subpoena that for me to testify because LAPD could not take that financial hit, you know, $400 million hit. You have a city attorney going to the FBI stating on the record in front of FBI agents and other people that if Phil Carson is to get up on the stand in the civil trial, there's a 50 50 chance that the Wallace family wins the $400 million lawsuit. CDC Flores stated, is the intention of the FBI not to have Carson testify in the civil case? Lee stated, if Carson did testify and stated that he believes other law enforcement officers were involved, that is no concern to him. It's just because Mac is named in the lawsuit and that the civil attorneys contend he was involved. This concerns Lee if Carson testifies to this. It was portrayed as that I was doing something like, you know, that wasn't approved or whatever and that my boss has called this meeting. Completely bullshit. I'm the one, they contacted me, Paul Paquette did it first out of the DA's office. He sends over Luis Lee because he had a relationship with me from other cases that I worked. So we have all of our brass there, and he basically says, Phil, we cannot have you testify in the civil case because we would stand a 50-50 chance of losing, I think it was upwards of four or $500 million civil lawsuit. And based on what just happened in the Rampart case and the consent decree is still going on, that this would absolutely completely bury and ruin LAPD, and more importantly, it would shut down all the different task forces that LAPD has with the FBI, um, as well as the other federal agencies, because they get all that federal grant money. And it, I mean, not to overstate it, it would basically shut down LAPD. I mean, they could not afford to take that hit. As the meeting concluded, Carson advised Lee that he, Special Agent Jager, and Detective Katz all agree they just want to solve this crime and let the facts and evidence speak for themselves. That in no way is the FBI working with the civil attorneys. In no way did Carson ask or was even aware he was being put on a witness list by these civil attorneys. And in fact, does not and will not testify at this civil trial and will do everything he can along with the FBI legal division to make sure this does not happen. 
it was later discussed with the FBI legal division, both Carson and Special Agent Jager should not have further contact with the civil attorneys and that if they contact Carson or Special Agent Jager, the information should be taken down, documented, and then passed on to the FBI legal division and decide then if the investigating agents can and should do anything with this information. Dossier listeners, for more documents, more videos, more exclusive audio, please go visit www.patreon.com forward slash dossier. It's where I can put a lot of this information, a lot of these videos, a lot of audio that I just can't put in the podcast RSS feed. So that Patreon account will continue to grow as we release more and more information and release more and more exclusive audio. Thank you for listening. See you next time.